You know, they say, man, a pastor so appreciates with the worship team, they use the analogy, they get you to the one-yard line. And all you have to do as a pastor is just jump over the top for the last, you know, for the touchdown. So I appreciate that song specifically today because that song has basically summed up our last two weeks uh, of our series, um, Waking the Walking Dead. kind of an ominous-sounding series. And yet, throughout the Bible... God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit give forth this call to wake up, wake up. I want to give you new life. I want to give you uh, exuberance for, for the calling that I have for you. So the first week in that series, we talked about specifically that, that sighting in Ezekiel 37.4 about the dry bones. It says, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Would you like to just have that happen? Just come to life in a way that that God's called you to come to life. The second week we concentrated on the heart, moving into the uh, Proverbs scripture. In fact, that scripture I uh, challenge you to memorize and uh, Secretary Extraordinaire put it in your bulletin today so that you could actually take that home and to remind you and to memorize that verse. It's a very simple verse. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything else flows from it. So today is our third week of this Waking the Walking Dead series. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Does it feel like sometimes there are two of you? Is there a battle sometimes feel like inside of you? Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type of thing. Now, I tend to mention Star Wars a little bit too much in my sermons, for those of you who are not Star Wars fans, but Star Trek is also a great science fiction genre. Right, Laura? That's right. And there's a character in Star Trek named Spock. Have you ever heard of Spock? Now, Spock is half human, and he's half Vulcan. And what does that mean? Well, the half-human part means he's sometimes emotional. He's irrational, and the human beings tend to be. But Vulcans are just the opposite. They're stoic. They're logical. They're non-emotional. Now, Spock tries to live the Vulcan side of him, but he is both. And he's caught at war within himself. The two parts of him collide. You watch those episodes, you sometimes see that emotion comes out and he's at war with himself. And we are much the same, not so much with the battle of emotions, but with sin. There's this dichotomy among us, even as Christians, because we have the one part of us that wants to honor God and live holy and righteous lives, and there's another part of our life that just wants what we want. Right, And we want to do what we want to do, even if it's selfish and sinful. And the New Testament is full of this type of language. It supports that view. Now, while Jesus didn't have the same struggle as you and I do, even He was from two different parents. Right? God the Father. Spirit. Mary, the human mother, he was not half man and half not and half God is what you would think 
he, we, he would be. But we believe, that, and the theologians say, that he is fully God and fully man. This isn't easy to comprehend. It's even harder to explain, I'm afraid. But we believe he is both equal to and less than God in some ways. While not being God, he has the same nature as God. There is separateness, but there is unity as well. Just last week, I asked the question, and Dr. Bill, right in the middle of the service, is is the heart an organ or a muscle? And what was his answer? Yes. So the same question could be, is Jesus God or man? Yes, that's right. Hmm. It is said that for Jesus to be able to mediate between God and man, he had to be both God and man to bridge the gap. I think most people, if they tend to underemphasize a certain part of Jesus, they tend to underemphasize the human part. I think most people. Jesus got tired. He got hungry. I know some of you this may ruin your perspective, but I imagine when Jesus sweated, when he, when he sweat, he probably smelled a little bit bad. I know you don't want to think about Jesus that way, but I think that's true. If his human part was the flesh was human, and while his divine power was still within him, he never used it for his own gain. He said, you know, he could have had the miraculous deodorant showed up, but he didn't. And Jesus came to bridge that gap between God and us. I want to read a couple passages today, and the first, both of them are from Romans. And the first one comes from Romans 5, 6-11. And it says this, You see, at just the right time, When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, a person might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For it, while we were... For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we, are also, we can also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have received reconciliation. So the Bible tries to list for us a number of different ways that we can understand what is happening with Jesus what he did on the cross. It talks about him being the second Adam, in a sense, retelling the story of human history with the right ending, with the right life. It talks about Jesus paying the price for us so that God's judgment of of sin would be changed. It talks about his victory over evil and Satan. And it even mentions how Jesus was the perfect example of, of love. So it uses all these different images, and I'd like to add in my own image today, but my own image today, what I hope is biblical, using different elements of Scripture to support how Jesus was with God and man. We've already talked about Jesus being in the flesh. His flesh was all too human. 
In fact, Satan tried to tempt him with things that would satisfy his flesh. Because his flesh was weak. We can relate. Our flesh is weak. However, I want to give you a different image as well. That This is where it's my little interpretation here. But I'm going to say while his flesh was human, his blood was divine. The scripture we read today said that we are justified or made right with God by Jesus' blood. The Bible says there's no greater act of love than to lay down your life for someone. And I have to wonder, is there any greater proof of the pain that Jesus went through than to see and hear and read about the spilling of his blood? His human flesh felt the extreme pain that any of us would have felt had we gone through the torture that Jesus went through. But yet his holy blood was God pouring forth a pure offering on our behalf. His flesh, his blood. And if there was any doubt that he was of God, his resurrection left that in the dust. For his blood was from the Father. He was one person with two natures. While we are not born with two natures, we can relate in one way or another because we have that battle of two natures as well. Not in quite the same way that Jesus did, but we have two natures. Let me read the second scripture. It comes from Romans 8, 1-11. It's a powerful scripture. It's worth, worth just reading on each day of the week. It's a little bit long, but it's, it's just gold. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Boy, you can just stop there, right? Because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires, but those who live according to the the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. But those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of the sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit in Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you a lot to chew on i get that romans is one of those books (laughs) it's great but it's a lot to chew on so i in no way want to say that we are duplicates of jesus we are not but there are so many similarities we have been given a gift through his blood that changes who we are when we take his offering as our own it's I always 
feel a little strange giving a lot of medical stuff when all these people know so much more about it in this room than I do. But when you get a blood transfusion, and it's like his blood is poured into your body, and it matches any sinner, I guess that makes Jesus type O. You didn't know that, did you? You learn something in church, don't you? His blood reconciles us to God, but it also begins to transform us. But the problem is, our flesh doesn't give up. It's still weak. We have all these desires to live by the flesh, which are still in play. And when Paul uses the word flesh, it's, it's a good word, but it can be confusing, because sometimes we tend to think all flesh is bad, but God made us good, right? So when our flesh originally was good. So when, when he talks about the flesh, we have to make sure you understand what we're talking about. And one of the ways that the flesh is true is that it, it's limited, it's weak. And in that way, it it's, wants to give in. But in this case, Paul is also using the word to describe our fallen nature. So sometimes the Bible uses the word flesh to describe our fallen nature. All this is to say that we are at war with ourselves. And if you have accepted Christ's offering as your offering, your blood has been transfused with Jesus' blood in some sense. However, your flesh is still there. It's still weak. It's still that sinful nature pulls at you to desire that flesh, to get rest, to get comfort, to get pleasure, all those things that the flesh desires. And my question is, is there any hope for us? Because it feels like there's this stalemate going on because both sides are are crunching against each other. And I think many Christians, and I've been there too, And I can maybe get there again, but I can live in that stalemate world. Too many people going to church are in the stalemate world. They believe Jesus Christ died for them. They they feel like they've had some sense of that blood transference into their own body. And yet the flesh is just, oh man, it doesn't give up. And so you get stuck in your spiritual life. Frankly, some days the blood of Jesus is enough and I'm just flying on a kite. Some days the flesh pulls at me. So I want to say there are two important things that you should know if you're in this battle. The first thing is, hey, we can all relate to one another. You got it, I got it, I got the battle, you got the battle. And our old nature and our fleshy desires do not go away quietly. This week I was what I would call for about three or four days, half sick. You know, where you're just like, okay, can't really stay home and do nothing, but I can't really get much done when I go to work. And, I was, and so that flesh was extra pulling at me because I was, that body was just so weak. So if you relate to this battle going on, then we can at least say we have sympathy, we have empathy for one another. You're a normal person living a normal life. Even as a Christian, you're normal. But the good news is, here's the second thing we need to know. God doesn't want you to be normal. And there's one more element that is vital to overcome the flesh that's going to help that blood in us. 
And what helps our blood is oxygen. See, blood and oxygen work together to make our body work properly. And blood transports those oxygen into the cells of our body where it is needed for metabolism, for energy. So what is the oxygen in our spiritual life? What works with the blood of Jesus to help us move out of a stalemate life? Let me look back at the part of the last part of the scripture. We just read it. I'm just going to read the last couple verses. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of the sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who has raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. The oxygen in our lives that we desperately need is the Spirit of God. I think it's fitting in this picture, in this analogy, in this image, to, because the breath of oxygen, it's God infused us with His breath to give us life. In the Bible, the Spirit is associated with energy and power in many cases. And while the Spirit dwells in the soul of every believer, the Spirit must, it must be encouraged. It must be welcomed. It must be relied upon in a way that a lot of people don't know how to do, to be honest with you. And I'm not totally sure I get it all either. But the more I learn, the more I'm discovering We can't ignore the Spirit. We, we talk so much about God. We talk so much about Jesus. But we tend to lead the Holy Spirit to the other church down the road. But we dare not. The Holy Spirit is crucial to how we are going to overcome the stalemate in our lives to make the Christian life more than a lot of people ever experience. I'm going to call the worship team to come forward as I get read up. I wish I could explain to you all about all that today. I'm on a journey myself. But I would encourage you to read through this. Pray about this. Ask the Holy Spirit to make himself evident in your life. To start to figure out what that means. We're going to be journeying a lot on that topic this year in this church. And I can't wait to start digging in myself to figure out what does the Holy Spirit's life in me look like? And man, if you can help me, I'd be glad to hear, hear from you what you think it means too. Um, let, us, let us stand together and let us sing. Remember, you've got the blood of Jesus and you've got the oxygen from the Spirit to help you overcome. If you felt a sense, even just this much, of the Spirit today, Scripture says when two or more are gathered in His name, right? Another way you can experience the Spirit of God is, is if someone just, if you ask someone to pray for you, and I'd be willing to do that, there are other leaders, directors, the church be willing to pray for you, or you can experience praying for somebody else, man, just take that opportunity, because it's great to be prayed for, and it's great to pray for somebody else. And let the Spirit of God work in you at that moment. Um, I encourage you to keep on your journey. Have a great week.